0: Okay, start your engine!
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to Righteous Kicks, the podcast where two science fiction writers geek out about men in spandex bodysuits who kick evildoers to death in abandoned quarries until they explode. I'm Brandon.
0: And I'm emotionally compromised. (laughs) You did it, Brandon. You got me emotionally invested.
1: I did. I didn't think that this was going to be the series that was going to do it, and then I forgot that so many things happen. (laughs) So many things! It was a lot.
0: I'm not ashamed to say that I cried. A lot.
1: Same. In rapid succession. But before we start having feelings... A thing happened in Japan very recently.
0: Yes. Happy Leva, everybody. It's a new era. The ATMs were closed for 10 days straight.
1: Congratulations.
0: Oh my gosh. Everything closes during Golden Week, and because of the new Imperial era, there was an extra holiday, which stretched it out to 10 days. So I was literally hoarding cash in a sugar bowl in my kitchen.
1: Sounds like a delightful experience. Would you like to talk a little bit more about what uh, that Imperial-era business is, exactly?
0: So this is how we count years. Because, fuck the Gregorian calendar- Oh, wait, am I allowed to curse on this show?
1: I'm pretty sure you can. You can do the thing. I mean, like, really, fuck the Gregorian calendar, though.
0: So, we count by Imperial reign. Heisei took about 30 years. Now... The emperor has decided he is going to retire. He would like to have his last few years, you know, in peace. So he is abdicating. His son is taking the throne. This is our first abdication in a very long time, certainly the first since World War II. Um, so it turns out that after World War II, when the Americans wrote the Constitution, they didn't actually um, make provisions for what if someone quits instead of dies. So it kind of took a while to iron this whole succession thing out properly. But it's been settled. We have a new emperor now. Congratulations,
1: Naruhito. Okay. Also, that does very much sound like an American-made problem. Why would someone want to quit this cushy job? They'll have to die first. What does what does this new era mean? Because I know that there is a significance in language every uh, era as well.
0: So the V comes from order, and the Wa comes from peace. This comes from a poem in the Yoshu where these two characters are not actually used in a compound. So it looks funky, because the LE came out of LEGETSU, the appropriate monk, or the auspicious monk. So, read in that spirit, it should mean auspicious peace, but instead it looks like... We order that there will be harmony.
1: Nice. That sounds pleasant. That sounds very heartwarming.
0: It sounds a little tiny bit
1: dystopian. Mm-hmm. I've read a lot of, I've read many a Twitter think piece about how frightening that is, especially considering who's your Prime Minister again? Abe Shinzo. I hear he's a very complicated fellow. That's a word. <laughs> That's such a word. And I feel like that requires an an entirely new podcast that neither of us have the energy to host to science fiction writers geeking out about the fate of an entire island. Um, so instead, we're just going to return to the point where Tomari Shinosuke gets shot in the chest and dies?
0: Quote, unquote. Like, we both knew he wasn't going to die. We still had 15 I mean, episodes left, and he's the main character. I mean,
1: yeah, but like, it still was very feelsy. Like, he, he was this close to finding out how his father died. And then the literate, the literal, mil, uh, minister of defense, um, looked him in the eye and went, you humiliated me. Now you must die. And just like, shot him in the chest with an ice, ice blast and left him in the dirt. Ah, uh, that was kind of feelsy. Like, I mean, in the police procedural sense of there is this grand case that has escaped him and he dies, where is, well, is violently stopped <laughs> before he could figure out what it all meant and where it all came from, um, was most of the drama for me, at least.
0: I definitely teared up when Gen had the just breakdown
1: over Tomari. Right? Like, that's where it really mattered. The fact that everybody was invested in the fact that he had died, like, Gen's reaction, Kiriko's reaction, Go's specific reaction to the fact that he was worried that a decision that he had made, which we will get to in a moment, was the reason why all of this had happened, was where all of the actual emotional effort came from, even though we knew that he was coming back. And I was, I was actually affected by that. Yeah, Even though we knew that he wasn't going to die, because 15 more episodes.
0: So I think maybe Imata Taima does not get enough credit for being as good an actor as he is, but honestly, Gen's reaction to things is what sells a lot of the more melodramatic aspects of the series for me. Like, watching how it affects him is what gets me to go along with things. Because otherwise, it's just like, yeah, yeah, we know he's not dead, just bring him back and get on with it.
1: I mean, Gen is a very expressive character, especially in the face. So it sells a lot of comedy, but it also sells a lot of... Actual emotion. Drama as well. Yeah. And uh, um, I feel like... He's one of the very few characters in his position, especially one of the very few actual police officers, who gets the opportunity to be that expressive. Not even Shinosuke <laughs> gets to be that expressive. Um, so yeah, like, Gen is really the one person selling all of the actual emotion in this entire series. And I appreciate him very much for that. But yes, that happened. Uh, Tomari Shinosuke was killed in action. And then was resuscitated days afterward. Via Drag Race! <laughs> like, it's so... It's... What literally happens is... Harley Hendrickson, who we've met, however many episodes ago, telling Krim to shut up very early in the series, gives Rinna a box of chocolates. That's it. That's all. And while they're tearing up about... Shinosuke having been murdered, she's stress eating only to realize, wait, why are there uh, formulas written on the wrappers of these pieces of chocolate? Why do I have the impression that these formulas will allow me to bring someone back to life if I travel at a max speed? Because that's apparently how that works. Um, so they... Uh, literally put Shinosuke's dead body in the tridor on. Tell Kiriko to drive as fast as she can in the hopes that the, uh, magical scientific properties of all of the shift cars that he has been using up to this point will kind of electrocute him to the point where he just wakes up. And he wakes up. And the first thing that he does is get out of the car, turn to Kiriko, and speak. In Krim's voice.
0: Yeah, it was heartwarming for a second, and then he opened his mouth, and it was just body horror.
1: Yep, it's a very charming thing to do. Just talk to a woman in a voice that is not your own. Doesn't seem like a horrific thing to do at all. But yay, Shin is alive.
0: I'm pretty disappointed we didn't get, like, a little more body-sharing
1: comedy. It would have been cool, but I guess the, the idea that they had the whole time was all you have to do is bring him back and then put the belt back and then Krim will just kind of, like, float his way back to the belt and all will be fine. But it would have been, especially because the suit itself type tried on plays off a little bit of that body distinction in a way that I really, really like in suit actors from shows like uh The little bit that I've seen of Deno or all of Kamen Rider Double, mm-hmm. uh, where you get to see one suit actor perform different uh characters at once. is very cool there. And I thought that they were going to, when I watched the series the first time, I thought that they were going to give Tomari an opportunity to kind of play off that as well. But it just kind of solved that problem. Krim just goes back into the belt like ghost science. Um, so yeah, just do away with that entire potential comedy. A
0: lot of people get revived in this show.
1: Indeed. I mean, Medic exists, for instance, just to bring Royd Mudes back to life. And that becomes an entire thing the very next time that we see her. Like her relationship with her powers, her relationship with the uh, people that she brings back to life and why or the people that she murders, and why. Uh, Especially Medic's relationship with Brain.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I thought this restaurant episode was going to be the wacky breather ep between hard police procedural arc and closing arc. But no, we did some really solid character work in that episode. Just establishing Brain and Medic, uh, she's brought him back... We have this wacky, grudging
1: partnership now. And I mean, it works because the episodes themselves aren't as um, intense in terms of the puzzle of the actual case. Because it's literally just uh, hot oil is hot, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh But it gives us an opportunity to see that... Medic's motivations are a lot less wholesome and a lot more complex, that she's willing to do a lot of destructive things to the people that she considers her family, just because she wants Hart to accomplish his goals and to love her in the process. And she keeps learning that that's the wrong thing. (laughs) Like, Hart does
0: love her, it's just Medic would like to monopolize that a little bit more, whereas Hart's completely down for the OT3 he's got going. It's just that Brain and Medic don't want to share.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, Heart is down for the OT 108. Yes. <laughs> but but at the same time, like, the Medic's intensity to which she's willing to pursue this singular goal of being loved by Heart while Brain is in the corner going, I want the thing too. Please, don't take heart from me. Don't do the thing.
0: Heart is Jesus of the Roid Mutes. He has enough love for everybody.
1: Exactly. Like, he literally mourns them. Like, he literally wishes that they would not have to suffer for the sake of this mission. And here Medic is just, like, throwing <laughs> Roid Mutes at large problems in the hopes that uh, she can just make one... Final ultimate evolution, so they can achieve the promised number, and uh, reinstitute the global freeze on an actual global scale this time. But she loves Hart so much that she doesn't love anybody else, and Hart is like, "But I, I, I love you. I just also love this person that you also killed. Don't do the thing, please." I I have a lot of feelings about Hart, especially because Hart's only motivations in the entire series is I want to fight Tomari Shinosuke, and I want to make sure that all of my uh family members can live. And I can only get one of those things, so I guess it's fighting Tomari. Meanwhile, all of his friends are dying.
0: In fairness, he could have had them both. It's really the human's fault that he doesn't get to have them both.
1: I mean it's really one human's fault. It's not all of... Uh, although, to be fair, the Kamen Rider Drive does make a very good case for the fact that all of humanity is terrible. And we should not love each other at the earliest possible opportunity because we're cruel and nasty. But the way that this series makes that case is by introducing us finally to Tenjuro Bano, who is a fucking piece of shit. He's so awful. Oh my gosh. This is the part where we add a lot of context, so I'm going to do that as briefly as possible. One, uh, remember when we taught that Shijima Go was a traitor out of nowhere for no discernible reason? Faking it! It was, we just so happened to come across the other moment in Kamen Rider Drive where... A long con was pulled on all of us and it was just Go undercover because he wanted to steal Brain's iPad. And we're like, dude, dude, it's an iPad. You can buy a fucking iPad wherever you want. But no. The iPad has his father's consciousness on it. Uh, so Go has feelings about that for a long time. But at least uh, his father, Tenjiro Bano, has lots of very interesting answers to lots of very interesting questions. And attempts to use that information to win the day on several occasions, only to be betrayed. And Bano literally attempts to take over the entire drive pit. Um, Get another belt. Get a roid mute to wear it steal that Roid Mute's consciousness, and turn into an entire Kamen Rider using that belt. Meanwhile, the rest of us are learning that Bano created the Roid mutes, stole Kremstein Belt's core dry VR technology in order to make them semi-sentient or sentient, and then spent the rest of his research literally torturing them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, and we're boy. like... Dude, what the hell? Like, there's an entire sequence dedicated to the fact that Hart's face is the face of a wealthy industrialist who didn't want to give Bano money. And he gave him that face just so he could electrocute him on a daily basis and feel some kind of vindication. And everyone in the show immediately goes, oh, so Bano is the worst person on earth and we should all be beating him up, right? Cool. We're on the same page then.
0: Don't forget the bit where he started controlling Medic.
1: He he literally steals Medic's entire consciousness. And then we learn that he literally, like, made her lightning rod for excess energy for an experiment, just so he can trigger the global global freeze all on his own.
0: And he does this right after we get the Medic backstory, where we find Mm -hmm. out that When she copied her human form, Misesu, I think, um, Mm -hmm. she got the girl's face and the dog's soul, (laughs) which, oh gosh, I have so many feelings about this. Like The idea that Medic starts out as this avatar of love and mercy and is corrupted by taking other people's emotions into her, and that all this love and mercy is rooted in, basically, a puppy. Because humans are trash, but dogs are good.
1: Mm-hmm. Best dog. Like, especially considering the rest of Misuzu's actual story, which is that she was once a brilliant ballerina, but then another dancer uh, literally ruined everything in the sake of attempting to gain uh, a quick buck and literally tried to kill her to cover it all up. Like, she didn't deserve any of this. She was being run over. Well, about to be run over on the night of the global freeze. And, like, all of essentially medic's suffering... Is wrapped up in the fact that a woman that she does not know also suffered, and both of them share this this one loving, compassionate dog, the only person, the only living thing in the world that has actual unconditional love for anybody. In this moment, it's like what? What? Mankind is terrible. We don't deserve it. I was rooting for the Roid Mutes when I discovered that that happened. Yep, like legit. At that point, there were like 30 roid mutes left. I wanted the roid mutes to win. We didn't deserve this. It was a a good run. But at the point where the only thing that loves a woman on her deathbed is a dog. And a roid mute comes and sees it and goes, That's not cool. That's who's supposed to win. That's the hero. (laughs) Medic is the heroine of the series. Confirmed. And then it goes downhill. Because she loses her consciousness. Becomes electrocuted uh, and then watches the man who has been competing for her man's attention die.
0: (laughs) Oh man, like that was such a good moment for Brain. Betraying Banul, revealing he'd been undercover, saving Medic. It was such a good, like narratively rewarding death. Mm -hmm. And then the CGI kicked in and boy, that CGI didn't age well.
1: Nope. Um. They tried, I mean, they didn't try an Avengers Endgame thing, an, an Avengers Infinity War thing, because that was years ago. Don't but... laugh, but I haven't
0: seen that movie. I'm probably not going to at this point, because I feel like there's so much lore I have to catch up on that it's a little intimidating, but...
1: Speaking as a Marvel fan, with a lot of feelings that are not for this podcast, I don't blame you. But yes, uh, the CGI of Brain fading into dust and dying is terrible. There is a frame where he just looks like a piece of charcoal. <laughs> Not even a good, like, dramatically interesting piece of charcoal. Just like a bad piece of charcoal. And what hurts for me is there is a shot as Brain is saying his final words. Where the camera cuts to the lake ahead of them as he repeats his final words as as strongly and confidently as he can with his voice still fading away, and I am like, "Yes, please give him the dignity of dying off screen where they can hold that feeling dramatically without having to give us wasted special effects, but no, nope, they need to show us the wasted special effects they have to, and it ended up looking corny and useless
0: yeah. There are a couple deaths that I think are handled well thematically, but not on a practical effects level.
1: Yep. Brains is one. Medics is one for me. Oh,
0: gosh. It was extremely affecting, though, just the way that Hart screams as he realizes that he is now
1: completely alone in the world. Mm-hmm. His entire mission in life to bring Roid Music to the path to the path of surpassing humans. Has led to him being the only one left. Because humankind is garbage. And didn't deserve any good things. I
0: did appreciate though. That his final fight with Tomari was. No henshin. We're just doing a straight human form fist fight.
1: Mm-hmm. The, I have nothing left. You don't have your belt. Let's just duke it out in the rain. And Shinosuke is like. I'm not going to hit you. Well I'm going to hit you couple, a couple of times. Just. So many... (sighs) hot, You handsome fool! God damn it, you didn't even take off your jacket. I'm so sad.
0: Well, he doesn't need to take the jacket off to move because the jacket is vented all the way up to his shoulder blades. So it doesn't really restrict any of the arm motion.
1: This is true, but I'm not thinking about his arm motion. I'm thinking about me and what (laughs) I want. (laughs) Oh boy. But that was a lot. That was a lot, a lot, a lot. Hart dies being the last of his entire species. And then looks at Shinosuke in pain and tragedy and goes, Will you at least remember us? It's like, what the fuck? I mean, on the one hand, no one's ever going to forget you because you literally tried to commit global terrorism. But feelings, though.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. When he was like, Ah, I have made a human friend. (laughs) Heart, no. Heart, you could have had your human friends so much sooner. You guys were basically already friends like three
1: episodes ago, at least. If you listen to if you listened to Shinosuke like twelve episodes ago, he'd still have his entire OT three. But no, nobody listens to the hero. I mean, the hero didn't make any sense.
0: When does the hero say anything worthwhile?
1: I mean, there are actually a lot of episodes previously where Shinosuke is like, but we don't have to fight. You're just wanting to fight. It's like, yeah, but I want to fight though. But wanting to fight is not actual conflict. It's just wanting to fight. Mm-hmm. And that is like, but, but, but I want to fight though. <laughs> well, okay then. All right. You got your wish. But then again, I don't blame Shinosuke because... Um, the entire last few episodes, the entire first few episodes of this third that we've seen, is just him having so many feelings about his father being dead, that we have to continue meeting Nira. So yeah, uh, yeah, we're not gonna say a lot about Nira. All we, ne- all you need to know about Nira is Nira is the man that shot his father, and he suffers like a fool. He deserved it. He deserved it, but he suffers like a fool. He suffers like an absolute dolt.
0: The writers did a very good job of constructing someone I enjoyed hating.
1: Mm hmm. Especially when, like, he holds Shinosuke hostage and has it framed to the media like Shinosuke is the one holding him hostage.
0: Yes, but Dimension Cab. Dimension Cab has got it.
1: <laughs> yep. There's like. I mean, it's very deus ex machina, but Dimension Cab exists precisely for this purpose. Yeah. Or you have to be shot? Let's take this bullet for you. Which is kind of cool. Especially because the episode itself is very, like, it was very on the edge of Death Note level uh, intense drama. When it's really just two men and a gun.
0: Oh gosh, yeah. No, that was like Batman Gambit, Xanatos Speed Chess, very, very Death Note. Ah, Yes. If he knows that I know that he knows this
1: Mm Mm-hmm. If you don't take this bullet, this girl outside will die. Randomly a TV turns on behind Nira. The girl is safe. Chase does this very stale, unhuman smile and a thumbs up. He's like, Oh, okay, I guess I can die now. The Mansion Cab appears, takes one bullet to the chest for Shinoskey. All is well.
0: It's funny that like Two episodes later, we see Chase gain so much more just range of facial motion, let's say.
1: (laughs) Indeed.
0: I mean, he goes from wooden robot smile to, I have an actual smile.
1: Mm -hmm. And we know that he has an actual smile because he has an actual driver's license.
0: Okay, I'm (laughs) sorry, just... That entire sequence was so cute. Chase doing his proper human paperwork because he understands that a society has rules and regulations and he wants to be a functioning member of society. The fact that he has no surname on his form. He doesn't have a real address, so he put down the special investigation unit as his home address. Also, wait, mm-hmm. I should probably stop saying he because he very conspicuously did not mark gender on his form.
1: Also true.
0: It's weird because the script the script repeatedly genders him as male, but in this moment, Chase ungenders.
1: Yeah. I mean, I want to say that his pronouns are still he him, but he's non-binary. Probably. Works for me.
0: Oh no, but Having him do the driver's test was fantastic. I loved that he transformed in the car.
1: Mm-hmm. And like when he sits down and the driving instructor asks him a question and he goes, I know all of the rules and regulations. And just quietly buckles up and starts driving. When he gets back out of the car after the henshin and this, it's just the look of this disturbed driving instructor's face. He's like, what did I just witness? What's happening here? It's just, Chase, Chase is so human.
0: I love how he's smiling in the driver's license too. Like, he's so proud of himself for achieving this human uh, rite of passage. I mean, driving here does not have the same, I'm an adult now, significance that it does in, say, America, because we have a functional public transit system in Japan. So there are plenty of adults who just straight up don't drive.
1: Congratulations on that, by the way. I envy you.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but he's
1: so proud of himself, and that's just so cute. Mm-hmm. It's like, Chase does a lot of work to be as human as possible in a show where even the good guys have difficulty being adults and just expressing their feelings.
0: Yeah, he does basically all the emotional heavy lifting for the main characters, like, Mhm. All those conversations with Go. I mean, Tomari is the big brother that Go wants, but Chase is the one he actually has.
1: And he hates it because Chase is not human.
0: <laughs> but Chase is doing a better job of, you know, talking about feelings than the whole human cast pretty much.
1: Right? Like just the fact that Chase, like in the early 40s of the series, um just goes around asking people um Excuse me, I would just like to know, what is love? <laughs> okay, that's valuable information. Let me ask someone else. What do you think is love, Shinosuke? Okay, cool. Kiriko, what do you think is love? Oh, okay, that makes sense. Kiriko, I'd like to let you know that I am in love with... Wait, no, Shinosuke is also in love with you. I'm going to tell Shinosuke to ask you out. Uh, bye. Like, what? What's happening? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I felt like I just passed out and woke up in a completely different show than the one we've been watching for, like, the last, what, 8, 16 hours?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Because around, like, the 43, 44 episode mark, just randomly, camera work starts investing in the most deliberate gags ever. Like, the cafeteria gag was... brilliant. Ghost's spit take there was truly impressive. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, all of them are impressive, but I'm particularly in favor of Shinosuke drowning in a cup of water. (laughs) (laughs) And like, the... I don't know if this is... Like, everything about Takeuchi's decisions in that scene are brilliant for me, but the one thing that broke me comedically is when he pours himself another cup of water and sits down and his hands are still shaking and he doesn't turn to Chase at all. And he says, in a very high-pitched voice, this," <laughs> And struggles to drink. It's like, I wanted that as my ringtone. Just the sound <laughs> of him saying no. In a voice that is not his. It was hilarious. Everything about those gags. I mean, there's the weird fixation on Kiriko eating a lot in those gags that I didn't like. But everything else, pure gold.
0: Can we talk about how much emotional heavy lifting that Chase is doing with Go?
1: Oh yes, please. Oh man. Let's reiterate that up until this point, up un- and by this point we mean the late forties of the show. Go still hates Chase. Chase is still an example of the entire species of creature. That is the bane of Go's entire existence. And the chase is still here like, um, I wouldn't want you to die because Kiriko wouldn't want you to die. Don't beat yourself up because you were betrayed by your father. Your father was always a piece of shit. And Go is like, don't talk to me. We're not friends.
0: Honestly, I've been basically rooting for the oh no, he is my friend. Since sometime in the mid-twenties? Like Right? Go was so emphatic about you're not my buddy, pal, that you knew <laughs> they're buddies, and when Go finally figures it out, it's gonna be tragic as all get out.
1: Mm-hmm. And it was.
0: That last fight with Bundle. Oh my gosh. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Just the henching devices break and chase goes
1: back to his roidmude form to defend goal. Mm-hmm. Runs directly into Vano, holds him down, waiting to explode from his injuries, leaving, unfortunately, pieces of TV mainboards and purple cloth all over the floor, but that's neither here nor there.
0: The cloth still had his belt chains on it. That... It was such an affecting death, and then they show Kiriko looking at the wreckage, and I just saw bits of his butt chains, and I was like, "Oh, oh, this is kind of undercutting the emotional impact of this moment." Indeed, it was so good when he gives Go his l- his little driver's license, and then <laughs> Go finally calls him his buddy and uses Chase's bike to transform and delivering the final blow with Chase's weapon. Mm-hmm. Every decision was right, except for cutting to the wreckage.
1: Yeah. But, like, it's the way that, that those feelings are expressed, though. Like, go with his fists against the floor, saying that, I'm such a fool. I wish I knew the whole time. Because dude was telling you the whole time. hmm It's like... Go go has come a long way to get to this point in particular. It's like, I, I had so many feelings about that moment.
0: God, I cried so much. Like, 45 and 46 was just 40 straight minutes of me sobbing. I mm-hmm. don't even know what the neighbors believe is going on in my apartment anymore.
1: <laughs> they were just so... I mean... The other, the other only bad thing about those two episodes is that Bano spends so much energy building up to be this powerful dramatic villain. And while Go is utterly humiliating himself in the driveway of the Special Defense Force building with Chase's axe, meanwhile, Shinosuke and Hart and Medic are upstairs discovering That a large silver ball is the real big boss of this series. And they make light work of her anyway. So, like, why was she even there? Like, why didn't you just give us all of just this fight? This was what we cared about. Yeah,
0: this is what actually had emotional payoff.
1: Mm -hmm. And I care about the fact that they give it to Go. Because Go is the person who still has to come to terms with his relationship with his father in the first place.
0: I feel like the final fight really sidelined the girls. I mean, okay, we get Rinna in the rockin' pink body armor taking out the shields, but Mm -hmm. the slowdown even... So Kiriko starts in the hospital, and when she gets to the scene, we have the trauma freakout, which, understandable, but once she gets into action again, the slowdown kicks in, and even with the car, she's basically unable to do anything.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: And then... Medic dies, so, okay, great. We're just not letting the female cast do anything, I guess.
1: I mean, Medic, to be fair, dies dramatically.
0: Saving Shinosuke.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yet another decision of, I am going to ensure that you do not suffer because I do not want Heart to suffer. Meanwhile, Heart is in the corner of the room, suffering very loudly. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's a decision that made narrative sense, at least the bit about Medic. But in the end the gender balance on this show is so skewed that it's very noticeable how little the girls get to
1: do. Mm-hmm. Because even after Kiriko is given Go's dead heat, uh shift car, she gets upstairs just in time to learn that Shinosuke has fallen off the building. Mm-hmm. It's like what did any of what was any of that about? It would have been more useful to just keep her in the hospital at that point, but they made their decision, I guess. It's just very weird.
0: On the upside, I mean, look who's out of the hospital. Hayase's back. Hayase! Hayase is now... Still has no arc beyond supporting Tomari and letting Tomari have feelings about him. But... Yep. At least he's around.
1: I mean, he's there. Yeah. At least he's doing a thing.
0: He looks real good in his new shirt.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. For context... Somewhere in the middle of like episode 44, 45. 45. Right, 45. They lose the drive pit. Bano and his team of mentally warped, uh, roid mutes storm the gates and start breaking everything. And they're like, well, we can't actually do any of the work that we need to do to Tridoron in order to break this force field around the special defense building. I guess we'll need to find another place. Honganji gives them another place. And the first thing that Shinosuke sees is Hayase on his feet in a new shirt. It's like, okay, that's kind of neat. One thing, though, does that mean that Hayase does nothing but fix Shinosuke's car? Yes, that's, that's, that's the whole thing. Okay, cool.
0: Fine. I
1: guess I'll take it.
0: I really wish Hayase had had a bigger role throughout the series. Same. He was narratively compelling, and also, he was pretty. You can't just hire a guy that pretty and then not use him.
1: I guess he's pretty. I like his face. He has a nice face. It's not, it's not a bad face. He's no heart, though, but that's just me. But, like... It's just very weird how a lot of things just kind of fall in place just to give Shinosuke a way out of the mess that he's in, as opposed to characters actually actualizing and doing their own thing.
0: Oh, okay, if we're getting on the Deus Ex Matsuna train, let's talk about ghosts. What was that? (laughs) What was that? Why are we already plugging the next series when this one isn't even over yet? Have some respect!
1: Right, so this is a part that requires a good bit of context.
0: Does it? Does it? Because I didn't have context
1: when this guy just comes bursting onto the scene. Just just to kind of qualify exactly how bad of a decision that was, I just need to colour a couple of things. So, in the middle of the Heisei era, I guess they had decided it would have been more valuable than not. To introduce the next Kamen Rider before this series is done. So people get a sense of what he does and who he is and what his personality is. And when that used to happen, it used to be as simple as one cameo. Like, there's a cameo in Forze where one of the female characters just notes the fact that this handsome man has a very nice ring on his finger... And we never even get to see Haruto's face when that establishment is made. It's actually kind of cool and semi-funny. And then they were like, well, that's not selling toys fast enough. So maybe we should actually let them do the thing.
0: Yeah, like, I know I just watched a 16-hour toy commercial, but I'd like them to be a little less blatant about it.
1: Yeah. it's so, like, there's an entire bit... In episode 47, as Shinosuke is falling off the roof of the Special Defense Force building, where he has a dream where another Kamen Rider is fighting roid mutes for him in the forest. And he runs into a beam of light and finds himself lying in the rain on the floor outside of the building. And then they decide, let's give... Let's just do an entire other episode, which is troubling enough because this is the opportunity that they have to bookend the entire series. Shinosuke has decided that his last mission with the Special Crimes Unit is to actually bring down Neo Shade, the terrorist organization that he was attempting to apprehend when he accidentally shot the gas canister that put Hayase in the hospital. This is our moment to see Shinosuke come full circle. And actually gain closure for this incident that has emotionally stunted him for an entire year. And it
0: gets hijacked by a guy in a weird Naruto jacket with a
1: puppet? Yep. What was with that puppet? I said this as somebody who really likes Ghost. Even though Ghost is a a really broken series. Like, it just didn't need to be there. I am I mean, I like it. I like Yurusen. Yurusen is actually kind of cute and funny. Is
0: that the name of the puppet?
1: The, yes, the ghost puppet. The
0: puppet did
1: not get named while it was on screen. The Cyclops ghost puppet named Yurusen, who like spends the entire episode just bickering about this unknown object.
0: It was really interesting that the final episode is handled as a return to being a police show. Mm-hmm. But... Introducing the icon, which we have never seen throughout the entire series and has just been, like, what, molding in an evidence locker or something, felt cheap.
1: It was. I mean, the only thing that it's supposed to do at that point is to give you a sense of, oh, that's what the transformation trinket for the next series is supposed to look like? Cool. Okay, that's the new hero. All right, he looks very bright orange, but we can handle that. Um, ghosts are a thing. All right, ghosts. I like ghosts. Hate ghosts. I'm indifferent to ghosts. But, like, why make that an episode of Drive? It was handled so poorly. I just... He gets in one fight. We see ghosts get in one fight. That's all he does. He just kills, uh, uh, an enemy. You don't even learn the name of those enemies yet. They're not... They're not technically called ghosts. I mean, they're ghosts. But like you don't even learn what its significance is. You don't learn what an icon is. Yeah. You don't learn Ghost's name. You don't learn how he got his powers. You don't learn that he's technically dead. Did you know that Ghost is technically dead?
0: No, of course I didn't know that because he appeared with no context whatsoever. I felt so lost during this episode because they're all screaming about this icon and I'm like, what is it? What does it do? When is someone going to explain to me what it does? Aside from Shinosuke getting closure by taking down Neoshade, I had no idea what the emotional stakes were in this episode.
1: Especially because um, Okamura, the last remaining Neoshade member that Shinosuke attempts to apprehend... Have we
0: ever seen him before?
1: We have. Like, very, very briefly in, like... Episode, what, two? <laughs> Yeah, like episode two or three or one of the other kind of Neo Shade episodes that I can't even recall. You kind of meet him like very briefly and very uneventfully. Um, but like he makes a very big deal in this episode about there are no more Neo Shade members. I'm going to literally resurrect Neo Shade with my own effort. And Shinosuke is just like, Oh, okay. So you're going to use this, um, icon thing to like what? I don't know. Alright <laughs> um that's a bad plan, friend. It was but, like why why why? Why? Like why? The only very useful dramatic thing about that entire episode is Um when Shinosuke gets the icon and Okamura calls him and says if you want uh Kiriko to live, you must give me the icon and Shinosuke decides, well, I'm going to just shoot the guy so you can have this icon back, strange orange jacket fellow. And Ghost tells him, Well, you can hold on to it. Um, maybe something miraculous will happen. And then when he gets to meet Okumura in the um shipyard or wherever they just so happen to be, and gives him Construction
0: this- site, I think.
1: Right, yes, it was a construction site. It's very hard to tell. It's not lit very well. It isn't. It's not. I think it's the exact same place. I mean, also, bookending. But I feel like it was the exact same place where Hayase got shot. And that wasn't very... yeah.
0: They make a huge deal of using some of the same camera angles to
1: illustrate that. Mm Mm-hmm. But Shinovsky gives this very impassioned speech about, no matter what, I'm still a Kamen Rider. Uh, Like, just pure resolve all on his face. And then there's this moment where Eurosen just enters the frame. It's a weird, orange-looking, cyclopean ghost thing. And just says, aren't you going to do the thing? And then the camera pans down, and we see that his belt is around his waist, even though Krim is not here, and is not supposed to be here, and can't just teleport. Right, Krim's been sealed away like King Arthur to await the day the world needs him again. Mm Mm-hmm. And Shinosuke, meanwhile, is so resolved that he hasn't even noticed. What? Why do the thing? I mean, I like it. It's very emotionally powerful, but meh. Didn't need to happen. I mean, aside from the hallucinations, it just... It's a regular police show now. I mean, it is. Which says a lot, considering, as we got to this point, Drive is actually kind of conflicted in terms of what it actually wants. I mean, at any one moment, it's fighting between so much intense propaganda that it's attempting to justify why we should give police officers supernatural powers.
0: Yeah, realistically, just a situation where all police officers can henshin? That's real bad.
1: It's the superpower equivalent of giving every police officer um, a Gatling gun to enter into small (laughs) conflicts with. But in that exact same moment, that's, it, like, literally, the episode after that happens, that's when Krim decides, um, this power must be hidden away until everyone can discover exactly what it's actually supposed to be used for. So until then, you will never see me again. Um, but what about the police officers with the, um, the thingies that allows them to thingy the thingy? Why did you allow that to happen? At all. It's just so disjointed.
0: I'm under the impression that was kind of like Rinda's invention. Yeah. And on the upside, like when Honganji transformed, it didn't work out very well for him. Clearly, there's still some kinks that haven't gotten
1: worked out in this system. I mean, at least we got to actually transform. Kiriko didn't even get a chance to actually transform.
0: I know.
1: Ugh. And I thought that, I thought that we would have actually seen how that didn't happen. So I guess I'm just going to say it for the people who are also really upset as we are that Kiriko didn't be- become a rider. There's literally a scene in what I must only presume is one of the kind of apocryphal media of Kamen Rider Drive, one of the special mission stuff that only is available online, where Krim actually comes to Kiriko first and says, Well, we need a Kamen Rider drive. Uh, I think that you would be up for the task. Here's everything. Let's see if you can do the thing. And she almost transforms. And then the Trider on Wheel literally shatters the entire henshin. And like... Ugh, <laughs> cheap. But Hon Ganji gets to do a whole thing. I mean... He can't move immediately afterward. But at least he gets a suit. At least he gets to wear a suit. You couldn't just give Kiriko a... Meh. It's like it's just all so weird.
0: At least Honganji gets his well-deserved promotion in the
1: epilogues. Mm Mm-hmm. So many epilogues. I have some thoughts about those epilogues. So do I. I mean, I know that they exist in order to give us some sense of closure because we're never going to see those characters again. And in that sense, some of it is actually really sweet. Huge Q congratulations!
0: Oh God, yes, Q and the book. But huge congratulations to Rina on her Nobel Prize! I cannot believe that the epilogue did not mention, you know, her devoted house husband Gen, who was totally doing all the chores while she was doing that research.
1: Mm-hmm. Just never brings it up, but we know that it's canon
0: because you know, they're going to have that relationship. Like they get married they get a dog, and Gen Mm -hmm. is definitely being super domestic because he is his wife's biggest fan and wants her to be successful. So you
1: know he is doing everything possible to enable her to focus on her research. I absolutely believe it. I believe that he enjoys it too. I believe that he's the kind of guy that loves cooking and cleaning. Yes,
0: absolutely. He has a selection of aprons, like not just one apron. Mm -hmm. He's got at least three different
1: aprons. The only thing that's capable of soothing his detective's heart. It's like a, a good cooking of a meal. I believe it. Hundred percent.
0: I bet he makes an absolutely killer omelette.
1: Yeah. Honganji Ganji just continues being promoted. Like, that's literally what the text says. Honganji Ganji continues being promoted. <laughs> Alright. Okay, cool. He's earned it. I mean, he
0: becomes commissioner and I believe it. And... Gen gets put in charge of First Division eventually, which is also where Tomari and Kiriko transfer at the end of Ep 48, so it's good to know that they still get to keep working together.
1: Of course they do, because they also get married. Yes.
0: (laughs) My heart is so full of all the adventures that these three must have
1: together. Mm Mm-hmm. I would kill for just a procedural of just, like, a pure procedural of those three would actually be kind of rad.
0: Long-suffering Captain Gen being like, (laughs) Tomari, I understand why you did this. I cannot support it on paper. We're both going to pretend that I don't know you're
1: doing this. Meanwhile, Hunganji walks past them in the corridor and goes, oh, not my problem anymore. Bye...
0: I feel like Tomari and Kiriko in this theoretical straight-up cop procedural would very much have
1: that Brooklyn 99 Jake and Amy vibe. Mm-hmm. Especially since now. Tomari Shinosuke is no longer stalling, or it never comes up again. He's always in Top Gear now. He just kind of always knows what's going on. Eh.
0: Can we talk about the guy that Chase copied his face from?
1: he heh heh. That was actually kind of cute and hilarious.
0: Oh my god. Tomari's just like, guess what? We're friends now.
1: <laughs> just Shinosuke and Kiriko are just driving to the new special division office when they're pulled over by a motorcycle cop who just so happens to look like Chase. Wait a minute. That's who Chase got his face from. And suddenly Shinosuke's like, oh, um, do you have friends? No. No, I do not have friends. Because if you don't have friends, I'll just be your friend, you know. It's like, what? What? Why? It's just... I thought it was cute, though. Yeah,
0: um, so why is it, like, endearing for Tomari and Kiriko to decide they're going to make this guy replacement goldfish, but when I do that, my therapist is like, this is called emotional transference and it's not healthy.
1: Um, because... Tomari Hinosuke does not have a therapist.
0: Do you realize how much of this series could have gone more smoothly if Tomari had a therapist?
1: Mm hmm. I'd like to hope that he has one now. Please, please, oh god. Please, please,
0: sort out some of your issues before you have that kid. <sighs> also, okay, they took the first character in the kid's name from Tomari's dad's name. Just, ah, uh,
1: feels. Feels. I mean, it means more now, especially because because of the way that we watch the series. You know nothing about the movies, and therefore you don't know that there's an entire time travel thingy where we already meet Eiji, like, somewhere around the late 20 episode mark. Yeah. I'm really grateful that that doesn't happen. Oh, yes, there's a whole thing about how sometime in, like, I think it's the 2030s, Krim becomes evil and, like, rules time, and uh, he is, like, a drag racer who goes back in time to get our, like, present-day Shinosuke to go back into the future with him and defeat Krim, because he's the only person who knows Krim. Big long story. Yeah, big, big long story. But that means that if you were watching this series as it aired, you already knew that AJ existed. And if I recall correctly, there's like a big gag in the movie about who's AJ's mother. <laughs> because it just never comes up. As like, I can't even remember. But yeah, so.
0: A lot happened here. Like seriously, Brandon, so much happened here.
1: Indeed. A great deal. I'm glad that it ended the way that it did. It could have been much more. Especially considering that we have also many other drive-related things that we haven't even the energy to get to yet. But that will happen.
0: I wanna watch Kamen Rider Heart and Kamen Rider Brain.
1: I really wanna watch Kamen Rider Brain, cause it's dumb. Cause it purely exists as an April Fool's joke that materialized late in its, like, entire conception. And it's just one big joke. But that's going to happen far, far away from now. Instead. I want to ask you, Iori, are there any series that you really think you'd really want to see?
0: I'm really interested in seeing either Kiva or Forze, because, um, so, like, I've seen those big chunks of them at the bar, but they turn the sound off at the bar, so I've seen a bunch of these series with no context, and I want to find out if what I think is going on matches what's actually going on.
1: Mm-hmm. Fair enough.
0: All I know about Kiva is that I think it's got a vampire. And all I know about Forza is people hit each other. Like, that's the only thing I've deduced after seeing probably five episodes worth of it. So
1: <laughs> That's all you know about Forza? Yes. Forza's gonna be a trip. People hit each other. That's all I know. So, for context, I've never seen Kiva. All I know is that Kiva is the vampire one. I heard it's very pretty and flamboyant, as things with vampires tend to be. But, I have seen Forze four times over, top to bottom. And I have a lot of feelings about all of these fools. But, I'm not going to say much more about it, because now, I want to leave the decision of what we watch up to the listeners. So, there is going to be a poll somewhere on the official Skiffy and Fanty page for this episode of Righteous Kicks that is going to have a poll and you're going to vote for Kiva which is the vampires one or Forze which is the space one and if you don't know what I mean by that that's all I'm going to give you right now you can look them up if you want and make your decision but we're not going to guide your decision We're just going to give you that vague sense of what those motifs are. And depending on what you think you want to hear about, what interesting drama or silliness you think is going to come out of that image, we are going to just roll with that. And I look forward to seeing what you want to hear us talk about. So what do you think about that, Iori?
0: I think leaving it up to fate slash the listeners is a great idea.
1: Nothing ever goes wrong when you leave it up to fate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're in for an adventure.
1: We are. And with that, I think all that is left to do is to tell our beautiful listeners, Be Transformed and and Stay stay righteous. Righteous!
0: Thank you for listening to Righteous Kicks, a member of the Skiffy and Fanti Network. If you would like to contact us, you can do so at skiffyandfante at gmail.com, or you can contact the hosts, Brandon O'Brien and Iori Kusano, directly at righteouskickscast at gmail.com. You can find them individually on Twitter at the Rising Tithes or at Iori Kusano. If you are interested in other podcasts in the Skiffy and Fenty Network, please visit us at skiffyandfante.com. If you would like to support the network, you can do so at patreon.com slash Keep up to date with all of the things at the Skiffy Infanti network by going to SkiffyInfanti.com newsletter. Music for this podcast comes from extake rooks, Shinigami. You can find more about them at freemusicarchive.org.